0: This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Tori Walker,
1: Okay. Well, I hope this sounds good. This is my first time doing it on Zoom. So here we go. <laughs> yes,
2: We'll make it up as we go along. It's pretty much That's the life right. of COVID-19 at the moment. So
1: It is. How are you experiencing that? Because I must admit, I am finding that some things I'm just able to go with the flow because you go, you know what, COVID-19, and we just
2: go with the flow a bit. Yeah. I think it's actually, I'm viewing it as a great blessing there's not many times in life you get the chance to press a reset button completely and yeah the opportunity to be able to just i guess step back and reassess of what's actually important what do i want to invest my time into and i actually can't control anything it's actually just highlighting those areas where you go okay I just let that go and I was saying to a friend that I used to be a chronic calendar checker. This is very organized and, you know, there's multiple things you need to fit in your day. So, you're planning in advance and always figuring out the logistics and I don't have to open my calendar app anymore because I don't have to be anywhere. <laughs> you're so, just post-day. <laughs> yeah. It's actually oh, that's good nice. so true. You go for a walk. Yeah. You don't have to have an hour. You can just see how long it lasts. So, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that is good. I mean, I think people's experience of it is different, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a crazy social experiment that we've had thrust upon our whole society. And it'll be really interesting to see how we all come out the other end, I think. But yeah, I agree with you about the not being in control. And for me personally, what not to put my trust in, even, even if in my head, I trust in God, I don't trust in my money or my housing or anything like that. When all of a sudden it's potentially gone, I think I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I was sort of, you know, it was a struggle for me not to trust in that job security or the same financial stability coming in week after week. So, yeah, that's been helpful for me. Anyway, we've jumped straight in, but let's go <laughs> to my normal questions. Sophie, in order for us to get to know you a little bit, firstly, thank you for your time in being on our podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. My first question for you is How did you come to faith in Christ?
2: Yeah, this is one for me that I grew up in a Christian household. So, in terms of I've been surrounded by faith and and Christianity my whole life and had beautiful parents who have, I guess, modelled that and created a a beautiful home for us to grow up in. For me, as I was thinking about this question, it's really, I guess, early teens, about 12 years old, that I really owned my faith for myself. I think a lot of us who have grown up in a Christian home, even if we haven't had some big conversion experience I'll put that in commas yeah. <laughs> and there's still generally a moment where we own we choose to own our faith or it becomes real for us and for me that was at a camp an Easter camp it was a preacher speaking couldn't tell you what he spoke about I have no idea can't remember but I just felt this sense to respond to that message and I remember going doing the walk down and responding and just being prayed for and feeling the most overwhelming joy I still to this day can't even describe and just this trust in God that came upon me in that moment and I remember having that response of that this is my God and and it was actually around the time of the Columbine tragedy and a little bit after that and you know I was in high school at that time and I remember thinking you know it's a pretty full-on thought but if someone asked me that question I would say yes and that was I think that was that moment where it was like okay this is it. It's everything of me. Yeah. thank you. I just,
1: I never tire of hearing people's stories because it's just so great to hear about how God has worked in your life and in your family's life and obviously answered your parents' prayers and, you know, the people who ran the camp, so many people involved in that decision. It's just so great to hear it. Thank you. Um, now, the reason, or the, well, kind of how I got to in contact with you, was because I came across some research that you'd done for MacRindle Research. So, tell me, how did you end up working there?
2: Yeah, so it's actually quite a long story, but I'll give you the synopsis version of I was actually working in a high school um, as a high school chaplain for seven and a half years. So. I'm a, I'm a Kiwi girl originally, and I moved over here. I won a scholarship to go to Bible college and I did two years in Bible college and then started working as a high school chaplain. And while I was doing that, I studied part-time psychology and sociology and yeah after seven and a half years it was just I don't know if you've had that feeling where it's almost like a chapter is closing and something that you loved that you always thought you would love just doesn't have that same heartbeat anymore for me I just know that's my time to start looking and to start going okay god what's next and a few people had told me about MacRindle and I looked them up and I was like, oh, these guys look great. It looks really interesting being able to share on generations and help organizations understand, I guess, what's going on in Australian society and be able to make decisions that can help people. Though for me, it was still that hard of wanting to help people and bring out the best in people that was, I guess, seen in a pastoral way, but it's more done on an organization or a business level way. So yeah, I got in contact with MacRindle and, you know, had the coffee interview. They didn't have anything going at that point. And I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. I was like, I'll just stay on in my role till the end of the year. And then a couple of weeks later, they gave me a call and said, actually, we do have an, a potential opening. Would you like to apply? And I did. Yeah, a few months later, once I wrapped up the term at school, I came on board at McCrindle. So that was in 2016 now.
1: Fantastic. And so can you tell me a bit about McCrindle? Like, I know it's a research organisation, but is it specifically a Christian Research organization, or do they just do a lot of research for Christian organizations?
2: We actually get asked this question quite a lot. So, firstly, who McCrindle is, we're a social research and communication agency. So, we work with organizations to help them have a clearer picture of what's going on in society, looking at both internal and, I guess, external trends that could impact their organization. Because, as an organization, we believe in empowering human flourishing by promoting truth, wisdom, and beauty. And so we use research to help organizations make evidence-based decisions. So in answer to the question of, are we a Christian organization? um, We're actually not a Christian organization. However, many of us do have a personal faith journey. And because of that, we seem to be a go-to research organization for Christian NFPs. Because of the, I guess, background and understanding that many members of our team do have, it helps us understand the context which they operate in.
1: Thank you. Excellent. And
2: so what has been some
1: of the different research programs you've been involved
2: in? I, I was reflecting on this and over the years I've been involved with a number of different ones. Some have been, I guess, passion pieces, some slightly different. But yeah, they range from faith and belief, which is probably still one of my highlights that I've been able to work on during my time at MacRindle. Workplace well-being and loneliness and understanding um the experience of people in the workplace, understanding the Gen Z consumer, I've done some on storage,
1: so you did black coffee I- of as well.
2: Yeah, so we've done one on coffee uh, too, and 27% of Australians have actually said that they can't survive the day without coffee. Maybe I'm incorrect. I say I'm not part of that. I'm part of the I like it, but I don't need it. However, I have had two today, so people might disagree with me on that.
1: (laughs) I think my whole family would say the same thing about me. (laughs) I love it. So, yes, tell me about the faith and belief in Australia study. How did that one come about?
2: Yeah, so a number of organisations partnered together to pull and fund this research and a key partner of that was Olive Tree Media. So we did a study in, I think it was 2011 with the first one and then it became such a great piece that a number of organisations said, let's update this in line with the 2016 census. So they commissioned us to do that and it's really a study to provide a snapshot of faith and belief in Australia. So it is commissioned by Christian organizations. However, it is used across a broad range of industries and a a broad range of leaders to really get a snapshot of religion and spirituality in Australia. And we found that there's actually not that much research out there in this space. So in some ways, we've become, I guess, a bit of thought leaders here and a go-to organization to understand this because of this research that we've put out. We have also put some out about baby names and we are now known across the world for baby names. (laughs) Oh,
1: I should have come to you on the baby names because when we had our first child, we thought Joshua was the most beautiful name. We loved it; it was just fantastic. And of course, everybody else in Australia that year thought exactly the same thing. We weren't being original
2: at all. Anyway, yes. <laughs> that's a I spot. love that. And Olivia is fairly strong at the moment still in the baby name space.
1: Don't worry, I'm I'm past that phase. I'm not naming any babies at the moment. So <laughs> all good there. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting that there were obviously Christian people working on the research and I think really helpful because it made me see like the census says things like, you know, this many people identify as Christian or don't identify as Christian. But I feel like you guys in your research had the questions to ask what that meant and and sort of had the language to kind of ask what does that mean for people and why they came to that belief? I found that was actually really helpful.
2: Yeah, well, in the census, it's one question. And anyone who has a faith knows that it's a lot more than than one question's worth to uh, explain that journey. And so... Yeah, I guess we wanted to understand what that journey looks like and also understand the basis behind that question because even within that question in terms of what what faith do you currently identify with, a question that looked at the faith that people currently identify with showed us that Christianity came up at around 45%. However, we did have a question later in the study which said, do they consider themselves a Christian? And that was actually less. So there's this sense of a cultural identity with Christianity which is different from whether they self profess to being a Christian and another aspect that we laid into this question which differs from the census slightly is the option for people to select spiritual but not religious because we find that a lot of the people that are in that category tend to select a Christian denomination within the census but when they've given the option to be spiritual but not religious that's what they are more likely to identify with so when we combine our 45 and 14 and percent, we get to that 59 percent, which is closer to the census stat on the Christian so yeah it, we just dug in a little deeper to try and understand the nuance of that which is religion and spirituality
1: yeah okay so I've got lots of detailed questions for you <laughs> I
2: was surprised
1: at the statistics for greatest influences on opinions of Christians and Christianity because just thinking of who i know and i guess maybe who what i fear i fear that people are getting Most of their opinion from the media, which I don't think is necessarily a great opinion maker on Christianity, but actually it was quite different to that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it came out that parents and families were the greatest influence on their opinion of Christians and Christianity. And then following that was friends and networks then books and articles, which was fairly comparable to the media. Now, I I understand your, I guess, thought and concern because often the media really does impact what we believe and I guess what's put out there as truth. And it does play a part and we've even seen that in COVID-19 that people have looked to the media of what's going on. But I think with faith and spirituality, the media has one aspect or one element where it can bring things to mind or call them to attention and go okay investigate this but my sense and you know we can definitely dig further into the research it doesn't really share this but I think for me if you've got a choice of believing the media or someone who you trust and know well you're probably going to let the person who you trust and know well influence you more if it is a differing opinion because of the relationship that you have because humans at their core are relational beings. And we, yeah, believe in those that are around us and the people that are closest to us do have the greatest influence. Mm, Thank you.
1: Now, the main issue blockers that are most likely to prevent non-Christians who are open to change from exploring Christianity, what are they? What has your research found that they are?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So our research showed that the church's stance on homosexuality is the biggest issue blocker. And I think this is an area which is often difficult to frame and different to difficult to, to speak about because it's a deeply personal issue. And I think it's one that we can continue to do better as a church and a, a body of believers. And I, I try and often think about how Jesus led and responds to people. And he always, people were drawn to him no matter who they were. And I don't know that I've necessarily seen that across the church. And I'm part of the church, so that's me included. And um, so I think... that's something for us just to continue to look at and go how do we stay true to what the truth is but also present it in a way that draws people in rather than puts walls up and the second is hell and condemnation which is also a big topic and following that is suffering and often in line with that is that question of how can a good god allow pain and suffering to be in this place and I think these are really real questions that people struggle with and I think if we actually looked into the church as well they are questions that people in the church struggle with too, because they are a big uh, topic or picture that is difficult to understand and is difficult to grapple with. So as a church and a body of believers, how we can continue to present those with truth and grace, I think is the way that we can, I guess, go forward with that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I just, I think it's so challenging though, isn't it? Because when we say a sentence, we, sorry, I say we, the whole church, we know what we mean by it, but often just that language it's not communicated well is it it's not understood in that way yeah, so yes perhaps we need to do a lot more listening and checking that we're being understood and all of that kind of thing in our conversations
2: yeah, there's a great quote and I can't remember who says it right now, but it's the biggest challenge with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. <laughs> yeah. And we believe we're saying one thing, but it's not necessarily being heard the same way. And I think that's where the personal connection is really important. And in the research that also brought that out, that one of the greatest attractors to investigating religion and spirituality is someone who is living out a genuine and authentic faith. And I think that's the... great opportunity for us as believers and as the church to go okay if someone looked at my life am I living out a genuine and authentic faith now I think with genuine authentic we often have that sense of being perfect and people aren't looking for perfection because it's not attainable and it's not realistic and it almost puts up more walls than draws people in whereas we can only give what we have received and if we know that I'm only here, but by the grace of God, then that's actually what I'm going to give out. And as we show that we struggle, as we show that we're not perfect, but we actually lean in on God in those moments, I think that's when faith becomes attractive because we're not showing this perfect, glossy religion, but we're actually showing a real relationship that accepts me as I am. And I think when we wake up to live like that, um, people are drawn to that.
1: And it highlights just that whole beautiful aspect of being forgiven. You know, if we're perfect, we don't need to be forgiven, right? But if if we're accepting of our flaws, then, you know, we do know, appreciate so much, God's forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you hope that people might do with this research?
2: Yeah, we love to give information. We love to resource leaders to help them make evidence-based decisions, whether that is people of faith or people who don't have faith, helping them understand what Australians believe, what their perceptions are, because perception becomes reality, and helping them make decisions with the information. Often we make decisions based off hunches, which sometimes are correct and sometimes are not. Whereas when we've got some evidence there to really highlight, it can help us. I guess avoid some pain one of the things that came out in this is that people do not want to be spoken to about Jesus at a shopping center good to know (laughs) when they're in that zone they're just getting something done that's not the opportunity to come in and speak and I think that can actually help us by picking our moments and picking our opportunities well Because we know that conversations are one of the greatest starters to people thinking about this. But those conversations also have to be in context of the right place and the right time. And as we look to the research and look what those moments are, we can actually hopefully open some doors to people engaging in discussions on faith and spirituality rather than putting up walls.
1: Yep. And so if somebody who was listening to this podcast wanted to know kind of what we're talking about, they can actually go to the MacRindle website, can't they? Because all the reports and infographic are all there.
2: Yes, it's freely available, this report. And they can, yeah, jump online. And we also did one in New Zealand as well. So if there's any people listening from New Zealand or want to be able to see... I guess some of those differences and similarities because often kiwis and aussies are lumped in the same boat that one is also available free awesome
1: thank you i know that for me like i've been looking at them over the last couple of days and it was a bit of a spur for me to think about the reasons why my non-christian friends and family might not trust in jesus because i think i make assumptions i think oh they've just decided it's not for them or it's not true or for a lot of my sort of current non-christian friends i think their perception is that the church is outdated on social issues like homosexuality and women in leadership and things like that but it did remind me not to make assumptions about what people believe but actually remember no no they're all individuals I need to ask them all the why questions that you guys asked in your research but how about you did it spur you on to think differently about people in your world as well
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think it helped paint the picture of what people outside of my circle think. I think one of the challenges with Christians is that we can be very involved in our churches and almost get a bubble on what reality is, whereas hopefully this report, because it has Christians in it, but it's also, it's a standard net rep of Australians, so it gives you the broad brushstroke of what the pulse or the atmosphere is across Australia, and I think that's helpful. When we come back to that viewpoint of not everyone sees the world the same way that I see the world. And when you start to look at it through the lens of others, it can give you some clarity on how to speak to them and how to reach into their world. And I think one of the things that I found with this research, it was such a privilege to be able to sit in a room because we did focus groups and sat down with a group of of non-Christian people who were very grace-filled and asked some questions about Christianity about the church and some of that has some real pain for people and they share that with me so graciously and you can understand the viewpoints that some people hold because there has been that pain But one of the things that I found most beautiful was that at the end of every group, we finished with talking about Jesus. And some people have challenges with the church and the institution of the church because there has been some real pain associated with that. But when we talked about the person of Jesus, there was a great openness. There was a great association with love and care and hope. And I remember there is actually a quote in there of someone who they shared, yeah, they said, Negative feelings uh, come from things that happen inside the church, but maybe try to push the Jesus thing rather than the come to the church and learn about Jesus thing. And I thought that summed up so well. It was from a Gen Y to go, actually, we don't actually have an issue with Jesus, but we do have an issue on some of the ways that the church has gone about things in the past. And I think that's something that we've all learned from and gone, you know what? We haven't been perfect and no one is, but God is and Jesus is, and he is our hope. He is our truth. He is the one that forgives us. And as we actually live out a true relationship with Jesus and bring Jesus into people's worlds, I think that's a really great opportunity for the church going forward.
1: Oh, Sophie, thank you. Such a great encouragement to preach Christ, Him crucified and not try and convert people to the church or preach our church because you're so right. The church is made up of simple people. So it's definitely not perfect. Yeah, let's preach Christ. Very but encouraging. Thank you. Us.
2: We love the church. I don't know where I would be without the church and that community of people who come alongside. And when you have the moments when you doubt and you go, I don't understand how this all works together and someone else can spur you on in that faith. The church is beautiful. So we're all for the church. It's just trying to get that in a way that we can, I guess, reach out and invite people into that community of people, not necessarily the institution of church.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, my last
1: question for you, Sophie,
2: (laughs) is what at the moment is keeping you standing firm in Christ? I loved this question, I must say. And I probably have a very simple answer, but I'm actually quite a simple person at the very base of it all. And that's just trust. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is one of my life scriptures. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And in this time and in this season of, I guess, COVID-19 where everything's up in the air and all a little different, I think about the fact that The same God of the mountain is the same God of the valley. And in the moment when I don't understand is actually not the moment to draw out, but the moment to lean in and go, okay, God, I know that you can see so much bigger and so much greater than what I can see right now. So right now I choose to trust you. And I trust in the heart of the father that is for me and not against me. And that as I choose to lean in and just ask every day and go, okay, God, What do we need to do today or where do we need to go today or or what does today look like? As he leads me through every day, he'll lead me out the other side.
1: Thank you so much, Sophie. I really appreciate you giving us your time to chat about yourself and the research that you've done. It's been really interesting. Thank you.
2: Pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: You're so welcome.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary.